Tuesday, March 7th was my last day at Salesforce. And today I'm going to talk about my five biggest takeaways during my five-year tenure there. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. When I made the post on LinkedIn that I was leaving Salesforce, I got the same comment a few times over. Comments that basically said, it's the end of an era. And yeah, it really does feel that way. I've lived and breathed Salesforce for the past five years, whether that's been you know, on this podcast, online, presentations to schools, speaking at universities and colleges, whatever it may be, Salesforce has been a significant part of my brand up until now. And honestly, it'll, it will continue to be. I couldn't be more thankful for my time there. I remember my first interview with uh, a recruiter over the phone. And she said that working at Salesforce was like getting your sales MBA. And she wasn't kidding. I mean, uh, I feel like my learning never really ended after university. It just sort of continued with real world education at Salesforce. Um, And like I said, I learned many lessons five of which I'll share with you today. These are lessons that I hope I hold on to for the rest of my career, given that I went through a lot to learn them. You see, over the past five years, I've received awards for being you know, number one in sales development, business development, and even as an account executive. I've been on a President's Club trip to Hawaii as an AE. Uh, I qualified actually to go again this year. And as you heard on the last episode, I was selected into the Account Executive Excellence Academy. But all of this didn't come without a price. I burnt myself out in my first year at Salesforce and ended up in the emergency room, followed up by a one-month hiatus. I suffered from panic attacks and honestly crippling levels of anxiety and insecurity. And I'm thankful for those experiences now because without them, I wouldn't be the person and the seller I am today. But if I could go back and you know speak to a younger version of me, there are a few key things that I would tell that version um, so that they could, you know, battle the, uh, the obstacles that younger Tanvir was facing, right? And man, I still remember my first day of Salesforce like it was yesterday. Uh, I walked in, um, the, my, uh, my manager at the time, or sorry, actually my mentor at the time. So we had assigned a mentor, um, a trail guide at the time, you know, greeted me on the fourth floor. That's where I took a photo of the Salesforce sign. It was my first day. I was in a full suit, suit and tie, everything. And then um, she escorts me to the, to the SDR floor where all the sales development, the entire sales development team is. And I just immediately feel out of place because I'm in a full suit, tie, cleaned up, everything. And, uh, you know, there's people in, you know, t-shirts, uh, in jeans, in polos, like not super casual. Like it's not like totally casual or street clothes or anything, but I would call it maybe like business casual where a suit definitely did not, um, did not fit the aura that I was feeling at the time, but regardless went around said hi and the vibes were just awesome. It was great because you could hear everybody on the phones. 
um, you know, talking to clients. And that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be client facing when I got to Salesforce. I wanted to learn how people, um, you know, sold over the phones or set meetings over the phones. And the, uh, the environment was just awesome. So, and then honestly, that's been my experience over the past five years. If you were to ask me, what my experience has been at Salesforce. I have nothing but good things to say, to be honest. Um, it's been incredible. Um, and uh, I'm sad to go, um, but it was time. And we'll talk about that at the end of the episode, but um, it was time. Um, and I wanted to take some time to reflect on some of these key lessons that I learned. So the first one, um, is one that's super important and sort of is the uh, tip of the spear for all of this, which is start with why. Start with why, because there were days where, you know, sales can wear on you. It can wear and tear on you over time. Um, you're dealing out, you know, I'll always mention this. Maybe I might be, have said it for the past three episodes, but sales is hard. You know, sales is hard. It, it demands a lot of you. It demands that you show up every day. Um, it demands that you put in work consistently and that you face rejection, obstacles, no-shows, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're going um, you know, a million miles an hour, you can wear out really quickly. And there's multiple steps to this, but the first step is starting with why. Because if you have a really strong why, it makes showing up and getting out of the bed, bed in the morning a lot easier. I remember uh, specifically in BDR, there was a time where I was really, really having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. As someone who was used to getting up at you know, uh, six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning before I start my workday, there were days near the end of my BDR tenure where I was waking up at like 10 o'clock. And I'm not proud of that. Um, but I, for some reason, just couldn't, you know, get it in me or, you know, I couldn't muster up the energy to get out of bed. And that was because I didn't have a strong enough why I didn't have a reason to. So when I got into um, AE specifically, you know, my, my halfway through my first year as an AE, I felt a similar pattern starting to emerge. And, and thankfully, I had good mentorship at that time. And, uh, you know, what I learned was that you always need a why so that you have something to aspire towards. And, you know, my whys were a fewfold. You know, I knew that I wanted to be number one. I knew that I wanted to um, get to President's Club. But those are personal, right? Those are, um, those are like me specifically. But what I learned is that when you have a why that is outside of yourself, that's when it becomes ultra powerful, right? So um, I knew that I wanted to um, support my family more. And that was a big, a big part of it. I knew that uh, I was getting engaged and I wanted to save enough money to uh, you know, be able to afford, um, you know, dream wedding, which I think I mentioned in the last episode as well, but, you know, I want to set up, set aside money to be, a, be able to afford, um, dream wedding, dream honeymoon and secure a strong financial future for myself and my partner. 
Um, and once I started setting those wise, it was like, okay, like, yeah, part of it is financial. Um, and, um, you know, the other factors are intrinsic such as, you know, wanting to be the best and wanting to see if I can be as good as I think I can be. Those used to be my motivations and they still are a large part of it. However, another half entirely is, um, thinking about my family uh, thinking about my community, um, thinking about, um, my audience, you guys, right. Uh, what can I do to help you and, and support you, all you sellers, uh, entrepreneurs and high performers out there. So, um, figure out that why figure out what your intrinsic whys are and what your external, uh, whys are, and that'll help you when it comes to a reason to get out of bed and put in the daily work. Okay. One exercise that you can use to do this is uh, the five why exercise. So this is where you ask yourself why five times to the same answer uh, or different answers, I guess I'll, I'll explain shortly um, in order to, you know, get to a final idea of, okay, well, why is it that I actually want to do this? So for example, you know, um, for me, it might be like, okay, I want to, I know I want to be number one. Well, why do I want to be number one? Well, I want to be able I want to find out if I can be as good as I think I can be. Well, why do I want to do that? Well, because I don't want to feel like I wasted my potential. Well, why do I don't want to feel like that? Well, because I don't like having regrets. Well, why don't I like having regrets? Because regrets make me feel like I wasted my time. All right. So start with why use that exercise and that might help you, you know, drill down the reasons more so that you have a powerful reason um, to show up and bring your best self to work every single day. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is extreme ownership. This is a term um, coined by Jocko Willink, but uh, I also like to refer to it as total accountability. In sales, there's no such thing as a free lunch. No one, sales, business, life, no such thing as a free lunch. You, you sort of, you reap what you sow, right? Um, now you can come up with a lot of reasons that you might not be doing well. The economic climate, we're in a recession, um, your territory, uh, you have a bad manager, so many reasons, right? There's, there's a bunch of reasons that we can come up with for why we're not succeeding. And I'm not saying that those reasons aren't valid. Maybe you are in a situation where that is the case. However, dwelling on it is not going to help you. Not at all. So it's important. An exercise that I've done that has helped me a lot is anything that happens to me, whether it's good or bad in my life, I try to take total accountability over it, regardless of whether it's my fault or not. And some might say that's dangerous. Um, it could be. I'm not saying that it's it's perfect. But for me, it's served really well because when I take total accountability and extreme ownership over my effort, my results, when I take total accountability, I have to look for solutions to my problems. I can't look to anywhere else or to anyone else to solve my problems for me. Sure, I can seek guidance, right? But ultimately I hold myself responsible and that kicks in an additional layer of action. 
an additional layer of commitment towards solving my problems and achieving my goals. So if you're finding yourself coming up with a lot of reasons for why you're not succeeding, instead of doing that, I would start thinking about how you can start succeeding, right? Who do you need to go do for support? What can you do? How can you strategize? What have other people in, in your shoes who have been in your shoes before done to succeed? Seek out solutions instead of seeking out more problems. And that'll help you a ton. All right. Now, lesson number three. Your input is infinitely more important than your output. Your effort is far more important than your quota. All right. And that's just, that's because you can control one and you cannot control the other. You can't control output. You can't control hitting your quota. You can't, like, you know how they say, um, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can't force your clients to sign on the dotted line. They have to do it themselves. And there are thousands of variables that determine whether that happens or not. But you can try your hardest to take them to that point and make it as easy as possible for them to sign off. But ultimately, you can't control that. Okay. So if you're a lot of people, you know, they, they, they get their number or they, um, you know, they don't hit their number and immediately that, that's, that has an impact on their self-worth, right? They associate their, their self-worth with hitting their quota or not. Um, and this has happened to me, right? I'll tell you a story. I, I remember one specific meeting with, uh, my VP of sales and, um, I had missed my quarterly quota for the first time. So we walked into this meeting and we were strategizing about how to break into this big account that I had. And he sensed that my mood was a little bit different. Like I was just sort of, I wasn't really making jokes. I was just like, just sort of talking through my strategy, um, pretty, pretty blindly. And he was like, what's up? And I was like, uh, man, like I just missed my, my, uh, quarterly quota for the first time. Like, give me a little, give, give me a little of a break here. And he was like, no, not from you. Like, I don't, I don't expect this from you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's basically like, you're all about winning and winning streaks and like all of this stuff. Like you missed your quarterly quota. So what? Why does that matter? Like you keep putting in the effort and the consistency and showing up. Like that's what you're all about. But now when you miss your quarterly quota, like all of a sudden you're down. Like, I don't expect that. I don't expect that from you. And that hit me hard. Oh, that hit me hard. I, I like, I got flush. Like I was like, I, I, it didn't make me angry. It like really made me think, you know, I was like, holy crap, he's right. He's right. This is the stuff that I preach. This is the stuff that I talk about. And it might happen to me again, you know, like it could happen to me again, but I try to reflect back on these lessons when things like that happen. And what I've known to be true over and over again is that you are not your quota. However, with that being said, 
if you are not putting in the effort to hit your quota, that's when you will feel empty. That's, that's when it's going to hurt because you're going to think, oh, I'm not hitting my quota, but like, you know, maybe if I did try more, like I could have like, or I know I could do better if I just put in more work here or put more attention there or just focused a little more, right? It's the effort where you get fulfillment, not from quota attainment. Trust me, I've been there. You get daily, regular, ongoing fulfillment from just showing up and putting in the work every day, whatever your, you know, daily effort quota is that you have for yourself. So for example, if you've committed to yourself that you're going to make, I don't know, 20 calls, 20 emails, 10 calls, 10 emails per day. And then you don't do that. You're doing five here, two there, seven here, you know, that there's a misalignment there. As my mentor Ian Koniak likes to talk about, there's a, there's an integrity gap there where your actions are not aligned with your aspirations. And that's where you get a lost sense of fulfillment. And over the course of your career, that's far more important than just the feeling of hitting your quota. Obviously, hitting your quota is important. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you put in the effort the chance, the likelihood of you hitting your quota is a lot higher. But if you put in the effort and then don't hit quota, at least you'll be like content knowing that you did the best that you could. But if you don't put in the effort and then you don't hit quota, then you're just going to be, it, you'll be miserable a little bit, to be honest. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. It's happened to me. And that not putting in the effort and knowing that I didn't put in the effort hurt far more than, um, you know, the times that I put in effort and didn't hit my quota. So that's lesson three. Lesson four, this is a big one. Slow down to speed up. You gotta be, you gotta learn to shift gears. We're salespeople. We have this mindset that we always gotta be go, go, go. You know, we're always on. And, um, what I learned very quickly is that leads to burnout. All right. I've talked about this story before, but, uh, you know, in SDR, uh, to, I had, you know, I was reaching 200 calls one day and I burnt out and I went to the hospital and that's because I didn't know how to slow down. I just had one gear and that gear was always super fast. Um, so slowing down. What does that mean? That means taking time in your calendar to actually strategize. Like one of the biggest shifts that I made and nearly doubled my, uh, the amount of meetings I was setting on a weekly basis was, um, you know, every, before I used to prospect every day, Monday through Friday, about two hours a day. Then one day I was like, let me, let me just see what happens if I try this. So on Mondays, Instead of my normal prospecting time, I took that time to strategize around my accounts instead. So I would do research on the accounts that I wanted to target that week. Um, I would prep my contacts that I would call that week uh, and sort of get an idea of what point of view I was going to bring the table each and every time. All right. So 
just doing that alone helped me double my the amount of uh, weekly meetings that I was setting. So there's got to be times where you go fast and times where you go slow and you got to listen to your body. You got to listen to, um, you got to get a feel for how things are going with your territory. But, um, even if it's in a week, like take, take some time throughout the week to slow down a bit so that when you can't, when you do choose to go fast, you can go really fast, slow down to speed up. Okay. Instead of just blitzing all of your accounts, Instead of going through every contact you have in your database, in your Salesforce, in your CRM, right? Take the time to focus on the 20% of accounts that are going to get you 80% of your results. That's the Pareto principle. All I knew for from SDR, BDR was like the gear of always on. It wasn't until I got to AE that I really, really had to make an adjustment because I realized that this always on um, gear wasn't going to work, especially if I wanted to break into more strategic accounts. Like I couldn't just call 20 people in an account um, with the same script to break into it. I would need to come in with a point of view that I prepped beforehand. You know, I would need to call specific contacts and personas that um, you know, fit the point of view that I was bringing to the table or that would benefit from the point of view that I was bringing to the table. Okay. So slowing down as a salesperson is one of the most important things that you could do, especially as you start to move up because it allow you to think more critically, um, become more of a strategic seller rather than a transactional seller. And, sort of moving through the stages at Salesforce, this was a vital skill that I had to learn and cultivate. And I still struggle with sometimes because that's, I'm naturally a go, go, go type person. Um, but I'm a lot better than I used to be now. So um, think about where it is that you can slow down so that you can speed up. And with that comes the final lesson. And sometimes what slowing down looks like is this, you know, lesson number five, which is self-care. If there's anything that you take away from this episode, it's that self-care is vital, vital, absolutely crucial, essential, whatever synonyms you want to come up with if you're in sales. I'll say it again. I went to the emergency room as an SDR. I had panic attacks as a BDR. I had severe anxiety as an account executive. And, you know, from time to time, I still go through it like everybody does. But I've built a self-care routine that has helped me confront these challenges. Exercising, mindfulness, meditation, eating the right foods, Consuming the right content, right? Your mental health is a big part of this. If you're just consuming junk all the time, your, your brain is going to be junk all the time. Reading books, taking breaks in my day. Self-care is vital. If there's anything that you can do, right, to, to sustain your sales career, everything that I've talked about so far is about raising your game in sales, playing the game of sales, 
And this really is sustaining your game of sales. If you want to last a long time as a seller, if you want to, I've been doing, I've been, I've been in sales for more than a decade, right? I started a snow shoveling business at the age of 11. Uh, I worked at Nordstrom. I worked at TD bank now working at Salesforce for five years. Um, the only way to sustain yourself in the long term is to take care of yourself. Take care of your body, take care of your mind, take care of your soul. Build a routine around these areas so that you have a greater chance of showing up as your best self to work each and every day. If I didn't start implementing some of these routines, um, Throughout the years, I did some of them after I, you know, had that emergency room trip. I did more of them after I, I uh, had my first panic attack in BDR. Um, then I would, then I'd be having a very hard time. I don't know if I would have last, lasted um, this long, like gotten this far. So those are the five lessons. Lesson number one: start with why. Find a really strong why, internal and in, and external that will get you out of bed in the morning. Number two is take extreme ownership and total accountability over your life, your results, your problems, etc. Number three, input is far more important than output. Effort is far important that far more important than your quota. Lesson number four, slow down to speed up. All right, learn to shift gears. And number five, self-care is vital. These are the five biggest takeaways that I got from my time at Salesforce. Now you might be thinking, where are all the sales lessons, right? Where are all the, um, this tactical uh, stuff and that stuff is important. Don't get me wrong, but this is far more important. These five lessons are far more crucial because this is the 80, 20, the, the, these five reasons or five lessons is the 20% that allowed me to get 80% of my results at Salesforce. Not any cold email, not any cold call, not any prospecting strategy. It was this. So if you do these, if you, if you follow these five lessons, I'd be surprised. I'd be shocked if you didn't see a tremendous um, improvement in your life, in your results, in your sales, in your relationships, in your health, in your wealth, and the list goes on. So I hope this episode helped you today. Um, I am sad to be leaving Salesforce, but I promise you the next step is super exciting and I won't announce it today, but I will announce it on a, on a future episode, uh, soon. Um, and I can't wait, uh, to drop that one. So if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, so you can listen for when that episode does come out, uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please do drop me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts right now. So thanks again for listening and I'll see you on the next one.